0: This is the Red on Red podcast on redfm.ie.
1: This week on the podcast, we're talking with electronic producer and music journalist Kelly Doherty about her new album, her debut, under the name Gadget and the Cloud.
2: Rusting in a restless
0: Feet.
2: This heavy curtain rules No place for me The king's feet And his broken speech Those were dark days In this field Coffee <laughs> feet d Day- Batter
1: Cork-based singer-songwriter Anna Mika there with her brand new single Arbor, streaming now across digital services. And Ghost King is Dead, playing at It Takes a Village on Sunday, April 15th at Tribalgan in East Cork. You're listening to Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast dropping every Wednesday via redfm.ie. My name is Mike mcgrath and this week we're talking with music journalist and electronic producer Kelly Doherty, a.k.a. Gadget in the Cloud, right after the release of her debut album, Songs for sad people to dance to. Kelly, how's it going?
3: It's going well. I'm going good. How are you?
1: Grand now and yourself.
3: Oh, grand, how are you?
1: I'm grand now and yourself.
3: Ah, sure looking good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, the new album just got released there uh, this past week, streaming on nylon 9com and across the, uh, the usual streaming services. How's the reaction to it been?
3: Um, it's been good. It's been positive. Um, I've been very nervous over the last few months about releasing the album just because there was a little bit of a delay and I, I kind of took my time about it. Um, so I was kind of nervous to... I suppose how people would eventually see it because it had been so long since I'd made the tracks where I was kind of I stopped like conceptualising them as actual music anymore um, but I've had a, a pretty pretty good positive feedback I've had people messaging me uh, on the Facebook and the Twitter and stuff and ask me to play their towns which makes me feel a bit like Bon Jovi um, and there's been some positive feedback obviously from the likes of like Nilo9 and um, some cool blogs like Acid Ted and uh, Peter Curtin up on 2XM and stuff so it's been really good feedback and you know considering how nervous I was before it's it's all round good
1: <laughs> but speaking of press and people asking you to play small towns let's kind of dial it back a little bit to your own time i suppose in towns or around press uh, you got your start in the music business at an incredibly young age mm-hmm. uh initially just as a music nerd before venturing into the uh the deep dark woods of music journalism uh i suppose what brought you into music journalism at that age
3: um, I suppose I I kind of was that stereotypical kid um, when I was like 12 years old, uh, and I found Fallout Boy, uh, and I, I started like like eating up Kerrang and Enemy and all those magazines, and I was reading them all the time, and I suppose I had like. Uh, a bit of a a complex where I was like, I could definitely do better than the people who are writing these reviews. Um, So when I was like 13, 14, I started writing reviews in my spare time of albums. I remember the first one I wrote was of um, the British band Lower Than Atlantis. Wow. Um, Yeah, back in the day. And uh, I wrote a review of one of their albums uh, and I just plagued uh, all of the American pop-punk websites that I used to go on uh, with that review. I sent it to all of them. Uh, And after... Uh, like a few months of me harassing the editorial staff at Absolute Punk, um, they decided to to give me a, a go. So I started writing there when I was around 15, um, and I was writing for them for a good while. I was the reviews editor as well, uh, which was a lot of responsibility on my, my 15-year-old shoulders. But, I, you know, I had a good time. Um, and then I, I, I was kind of doing that for a good few years, um, and then it kind of dawned on me, that I I wasn't really doing much in the Irish music press and that everything I was doing was very remote and over in America. Um, So I decided to kind of chance my arm around Ireland when I was around 17 um, and try and break out in in Ireland. So from that then, I I did a short stint on State Magazine. And then uh, after that, I kind of found my home a bit on the thin air um, where I've been writing now for about four years, I'd say. Um, So it's nice. And it was cool making the transition to Irish um, press as well because I felt like I was part of a scene a little bit more than... The fact that obviously I was writing for kids in California before that. So it was a nice transition.
1: And obviously music journalism is something that even as far back as when you were doing stuff a couple of years back, uh, is something that's been in transition. Now, obviously, this past week, you know, there's been a lot of bad news that's been happening to music journalism. You happened to mention there The Enemy and now the print option there is is gone, which isn't exactly an unsurprising move. Um, I suppose, what was your take on knowing that that kind of whole thing that you were, had been shooting for prior was in the middle of a massive change, where obviously the upside is someone across in the US is seeing what you're writing from Ballyhay, etc.
3: Yeah, I suppose it's kind of, it, it, this it's a double-sided um, sword, I guess, in the way of, you know, it was unbelievable that as a 14-year-old Uh, living in the countryside who didn't have any friends who listened to emo and that I was able to write reviews for people across the country and and have people interested and stuff like that so that was kind of amazing and and being able to get that voice out there and to be interviewing some of my favourite bands like age 16 like I got to interview like Jimmy World like last year and I was like it was like the most amazing experience of my life and I was so happy with that but then I suppose the flip side of that is when you are kind of trying to look for it as a a career um, now and that all of that kind of unreal stuff you get to do at a young age for free, kind of you start needing to not be able to do it for free. You need to be paid eventually. So it was kind of hard because I suppose because I'd started a music journalism so young when we were going through secondary school and everyone was kind of like looking at, oh, what job will I do? I was always like, I'll be a music journalist, obvious, I'm already a music journalist. And then I suppose the reality kind of hit when I was like 18, 19, and I started realising, actually, um, there just isn't a lot of jobs. It's incredibly competitive market, And it it seems like sometimes you need a bit more than just a lot of passion about music. There's so much like PR aspects and marketing aspects to music journalism now. So it was kind of stressful in that regard. Uh, I suppose that it wasn't the kind of packaged career path that I thought it was going to be.
1: But outside of that, then clearly there's been so many different transferable skills that you would have taken away in terms of, you know, obviously teamwork, but also things like content management systems, how to arrange yourself, uh, how to approach people, etc. that, you know, a lot of people necessarily wouldn't have had encountered in their kind of early music apprenticeship. You, on the other hand, had to deal with a lot of um, bands and a lot of, a lot of big personalities and kind of learn how to reverse engineer their story into copy which is spoiler alert the basis of music journalism to begin with (laughs) Um, again you mentioned that it was an awfully young age to like have phone chats with the bad brains or meet Jimmy World obviously like you mentioned though there is difficulties how have you found that that skill set that you created for yourself uh, transferred over to your experience in things like student politics activism etc
3: Um, I think probably the most important thing is kind of breaking down any of the atmospheres that you might have around people that you look up to or whatever. Because when I was first starting out interviewing at Such a Young Age, I remember actually... When I was meant to be interviewing Bad Brains, I was like, firstly, like, so scared that they were gonna, like, kill me through the phone because they were a hardcore punk band and I was, like, a 15 year old. Um, but also, you know, I looked up to bands from that generation, um, and I was so intimidated. But after a few years of doing that, I came to realize that everyone is just a person doing a thing. Um, so th- there's no real room for egos or people acting like they've got egos. And you shouldn't really be, I suppose, over looking up to people seeing them as more than yourself, I think, is the most important thing. I think that's really important in terms of, like, music industry, definitely, because I recognise in myself, like, if I'm playing a gig or if someone's helping me out, like, the least you can do is be as polite as possible or to treat people with respect. Um, You should never have, like, bad attitudes about yourself because everyone is the same. People are just doing different things. So I think that's particularly important. Um, And I think just kind of, I suppose, journalism just came in so handy for, like... I suppose independence and responsibility at such a young age that it kind of taught me how to just do stuff off my own back and not expect people to come and help me. Um, I think that's really important, particularly in the music industry, with like, you know, no one's going to start that club night um, that you want to be started, so do it yourself. No one's going to teach you how to make electronic music, so just do it yourself. So I think that's pretty important skills I kind of learned from it.
1: And we'll get into that in just a little bit, but first... You have hand-selected a little bit of a playlist for us on this episode of Red on Red. Uh, We have Jar Jar Jr. with Ah Well, Bubby Howells, Chef Bubby cooking up that crack in the kitchen, and uh, Number Theory with a Red on Red exclusive, uh, a single of his, Pilgrimage.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so um, I picked these two tracks. Um, Jar Jar Jr. is um, a producer, a lo-fi hip-hop producer from Cork. Um, Absolutely amazing, such a talented young fella. Um, he went to college with me um, and uh, like if you look up his stuff online, there's like millions of views on some of his stuff. Uh,
1: ridiculous. Treasure maps.
3: Yeah, like but like he was included on like Mass Appeals, like top artists of the year with like Kanye West and stuff. Uh, and he's just some lad down in UCC. Um, madness. So it's absolute madness. And uh, he played his first live gig uh, last week in the poor relation with uh, supporting for Kojak. Um, so it's definitely a sign of big things to come and he's definitely someone that everyone needs to be like checking in with Um, especially I suppose with the kind of lo-fi hip-hop that hip-hop resurgence that's happening in Ireland right now Um, he's one of the, the best producers I think around uh, that so, new tape of his is class. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And he did some tracks for Kodak as well, produced some stuff for Kojak mm. as well. So definitely uh, check him out. Uh, he's very, very good. Um, and then the other track I picked is from Number Theory. Um, he, uh, slight bias in the fact that he's one of my best friends. Um, but hey. he, yeah, uh, he's uh, a producer from Quark uh, who kind of dabbles in quite a lot of stuff. So he's done a, a good few like club remixes and stuff like that. Um, but he's kind of looking into. A kind of more delicate music as you'll hear with, with this track uh, coming up and he's an incredibly talented hard worker and also a fantastic DJ as well if you ever get to catch one of his DJ sets um, with Sesh FM or with Humans of the Sesh uh, it's great work
1: and we'll talk a little bit more as well about the state of Cork Electronica when we come back but first Jar Jar Jr. with Ah Well and Number Theory with Pilgrimage here on Red On Red
4: For the smell, tides rise and the shells get buried in the blue, fermenting in the hue, singing necessary truths, embellishing the mood until he nestled on the moon. Fuck the party, he was smelling the venom in the room. Let the next snap, straight get beheaded on the tune. When the weapons of the letters he be messaging your doom like, um, what is MF? You silly, blooms in your room. He be pillaging the city, shit came and left draped in total silence That came back once again to make you close your eyelids battling himself like shackles on the shell hear screams from the dreams as he damaging the cell oh well now you know this shit the most languid but you know this shit with jar jar on the beats yeah you know this shit from the rg to ireland we own this shit oh well oh well and now you know this shit the most languid but you know this shit with jar jar on yeah, you know this shit From the RG to Ireland, we owe this shit Our world cloned scripts like the others do Lumb enough to nullify the drug that they succumbing to Sucking up the subterfuge Just to prove the Garms are baggy for a reason They be carrying the demon Sat cackling and screaming, he back Slathered in dread and broken epiphanies Yeah, he's so capricious Flow religious when the river's deep Upstream trudging Cradling the sinner's dream Sunken in the sour. Satiating symphonies in a piece like the light at the end of the underpass. Needles on the steeple going up in arms. Nothing lasts but the feeling of the fleeting. So smoke to the throat till it's leaking to the ceiling. He be gleaming. Just wait until they figure out. It's a man possessed when the riddles triple out. Scribbling the lyrics as he fidgeting about. If they missing what is written, they're forgiven for the doubt. Our oh, world. Well. The most language, but you know this shit. But Jar Jar on the beats, yeah, you know this shit. From the RG to Ireland, we own this shit. Oh well, all well. And now you know this shit. The most language, but you know this shit. with Jar Jar on the beats, yeah, you know this shit. From the RG to Ireland, we own this shit. Oh well, oh well. Jar. The most languid yeah, The flu is savage no, no. Just Let it run
1: Number Theory with Pilgrimage here on Red On Red. Joined in studio by Kelly Doherty, a.k.a. Gadget in the Cloud. A couple of years into your music journalism career, you had something of an epiphany while out on review that led you to begin producing your own music. Because normally it's quite the other way around where, you know, a failed musician becomes a music journalist. What led you to begin producing your own electronic music to the first place?
3: Um, I suppose it was... um, I had a summer of festivals that I was going to to review. I think it was my first proper summer of reviewing festivals. Um, I think I was in second year of college, so it was the first time where I kind of was able to to get out and go to so many gigs. Um, And I went up to Lech Pitnick. I remember um, I just kind of started listening to electronic music properly. So I just kind of... Had started listening to the likes of um, John Hopkins, Fortet, uh, all of those types of acts, Burial and all that stuff. Um, and I, I was into it, but I had been kind of like, oh, you know, this is really enjoyable. Um, but I didn't really know, I suppose in terms of live performance, how it would kind of affect me because I've been so used to going to punk gigs or, or indie rock gigs. Um, and we were at picnic anyway, and I remember John Hopkins was clashing with Blur. And most of my pals went to see Blur. Um, and I was like, okay, you know, Blair will be a good party. But I, I, I'd like to test. I'd like to see what John Hopkins is like live. Just to see how that translates live. I remember we got up to the front row. Um, and I was just absolutely blown away. Like, it was one of the best live performances I've ever seen in my life. And, like, before if you told me that some fella standing with his laptop could be mind-blowing, I'd have been like, here, get on the next bus, like. But I... Like, I was just so blown away. I actually remember it because um, I was stone cold sober. Um, but the the security at one point was like eyeing me up uh, because he obviously thought that I like was hammered or something because I was just so into the music because I was going absolutely crazy. Um, and it was just life, like, I, I know it's cliche or whatever, but it was a life-changing gig, especially for someone who had gone to so many gigs and I was going to indie gigs like every single week. Um, I remember I got home anyway and I like was like, okay, well... John Hopkins didn't have any instruments on the stage... Um, he had his laptop. So how do I do this? Um, so I started like frantically Googling like how to make John Hopkins. Um, <laughs> and I was looking on YouTube and stuff and there was tutorials on things like Ableton. Um, and I initially downloaded like a few of those kind of rubbish, like iPad apps for trying to make beats on and stuff. And I was just like, this is, this sounds pretty awful. Um, so I eventually, I downloaded the 30 day trial of Ableton and no idea what I was doing. I was just like hitting random buttons and seeing what happened. Um, But then I was doing that for a few months and I remember actually I was getting the bus home from college with my dad one day uh, and the Wi-Fi wasn't working on the bus uh, and I had my laptop and I was like, oh, what am I going to do now? I remembered that I downloaded Ableton. um, So I was like, ah, look, do you know what? I'll try and mess around with this for the duration of this bus journey. Um, And then by the end of the bus journey, I had like a kind of weird ambient droney sounding song thing. Um, and I listened back to it and I was like, ah, actually, I kind of enjoy this. Well, what's happening here? Um, and then it was from there then that I was kind of working, ended up kind of making my own stuff and kind of having a bit more of a, a belief in my production abilities. But I owe it all to, to Mr. John Hopkins.
1: From there then, how did you go about kind of establishing or putting in stone kind of a creative or songwriting process or composition process for yourself? Obviously, Ableton and especially the the live window allows for a lot of... Um, a lot of experimentation a lot of creativity but how did you kind of formalise that or is there a formalised process
3: um, I suppose when I was first starting out um, and if you listen to my first EP at released a couple of years ago it, it was very um, soundscapey like I, I spent a lot of work on pads and like making kind of just I suppose atmospheric sounds as opposed to like looking at a song structure or anything like that Um, I was terrified of the concept of a beat I was like no sir I don't know how to do that so I'm going to avoid doing that Um, so I spent the first couple of years just kind of messing around with making atmospheres more than kind of looking at the music I suppose Mm -hmm. Um, and then after doing that for a while then I was kind of like no, actually, I want to make a structure out of this. I actually want to make proper kind of beats and stuff um, because I kind of just got bored with where it was going a little bit. So then I suppose I ended up kind of them from there making beats and looking at actually what I could make that was a bit more danceable or a bit more melodic um, in a way. So then I suppose it just kind of turned into... Well, with the album, um, I was working in a summer camp, actually. I was working in a kid's summer camp, teaching them how to use Ableton. Um, So I was teaching kids how to use Ableton uh, between like 12 to 16 uh, last summer. And uh, I used to... It's kind of weird in a way from listening to them making kind of all these like little beats and stuff. I kind of got really jealous and I was like, I want to be making beats. Um, So I ended up after each day in the camp actually just going home and and spending the evening on Ableton uh, and just working away at it and trying to create those different types of atmospheres. But I, I still, I suppose with every song I make, the process is quite random. But the starting point always is what feeling do I want this to emulate? And that's kind of, I want this song to capture a certain emotion or a certain feeling. And then I work from there and what structure and how I think we'll actually be able to recreate that type of feeling.
1: So go back to the playlist there. Uh, You've got two more tunes for us from Sin. and
3: Uh, Yeah, um, Sin and Doubt are two quark acts. Again,
1: they're S Y N. By the way, yeah,
3: uh, they're on the Flood Collective. They're part of the Flood Collective, so they make quite banging club music. Um, The two of them work together quite a lot, Um, and they're they're absolutely fantastic uh sin um recently was part of the smirnoff equalizing music uh organization Conferencey thing up in dublin um and she's absolutely fantastic she played stuff like club comfort recently um and a lot of those type of cool club nights and it's definitely going to be a big name um and then uh doubt is um another good friend of mine ollie uh who's making music on flood as well uh, and it's it's He's just released a a three-track EP that's absolutely fantastic that I'd recommend checking out. Um, And yeah, they're two, I suppose, two big signs of the kind of up-and-coming electronic scene in Cork that I think is just kind of bubbling under at the moment, uh, and I think they're ready to, to burst through.
1: We'll get to that shortly, but first, we'll head to those two tracks. Sin with Wasteland and Doubt with Whisper here on Red On Red. whisper here on red on red as selected by kelly doherty aka gadget in the cloud still in studio with us on red on red so from the release of your demo what do you think are the upsides of electronic music in cork and coming from it from your own perspective from a radical perspective political perspective or from an lgbtq perspective what do you think needs to change
3: um i think what's amazing about the cork scene at the moment is just how many people are producing and making music. Uh, like So many people, I suppose, I think a lot of the court music scene is very working class. I think that's something that we've really got going for ourselves. And I think that's really coming out in electronic music because there just isn't that many barriers to entry at the start of it. Like when you're first producing music, you can do it almost for free. So those barriers to entry don't really exist in the way you know, taking up, like, starting a band might and all the gear that you have to get and all that sort of stuff. Um, So I think there is this amazing working class energy of people, mostly reformed emo kids, actually, um, but people my age now who are just messing around with sounds in their bedrooms and realising that they can make a music that's a sound that's unique. And I think that's really special to Quark because there is a lot of passion and we're all very supportive of each other. I think it's another thing that's incredibly important. Um, And I don't think any of us kind of make music with the guise of like becoming incredibly successful or incredibly famous we're all making music for ourselves that we like to listen to and that we enjoy because obviously I think there is a risk with being an electronic artist in Cork that you might never get played to anyone or that you know you'll never really get a big gig or whatever so there's no point in trying to cater to big audiences when you know most of us are doing it for ourselves and then if something comes from that then that's wonderful and um, so i think that's what's really special um with the cork scene and it is that togetherness and support that i got from people like Ashling uh, and ellen king is another person who's always helped me out a lot and um, so it is that 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 support is amazing i think we're definitely improving in terms of um representation uh for for certain gigs like you had to look at the international women's day lineup last Thursday it was absolutely amazing just the amount of female artists uh, in electronic music and indie or folk music and um, that got to play uh for the day um but i think whilst there's definitely an improvement um there's still room for change and i think there's still room for making more things with female lineups and um, having a l- little bit of a look at lgbt spaces in cork and the fact that they seem to have kind of slowed down a bit comparatively to former years where those kind of individual spaces seem to have quietened down um, and that's some of the work that we've been doing this year um with the Feminist Society and the LGBT Society in UCC um, in, in you know the poor relation. Every couple of months we've been having feminist uh, and LGBT club nights and they've gone down incredibly well. So there is an appetite there and people really want to engage with it. So I think kind of looking at getting those types of spaces a little bit more permanent in Cork is definitely really important because um, there's the audience there for it and it's something special as well. You know, it brings in the crowds and people want it. So I think that's really important.
1: Your experience then not just musically but interpersonally and community-wise with the Cork electronic scene has influenced or informed uh, your new debut album uh, Songs for Sad People to Dance To in that it kind of confronts some uncomfortable realities of a lot of the partying etc. that might otherwise be kind of romanticised or idealised. Maybe take us through the creative process how you kind of took that those kind of atmospheres and took them into beats your territory but also maybe kind of discussed some of those underlying concepts.
3: Yeah. Um, so I suppose when I sat down to to look at making my first full length, um, it was it was in a quite a hard period of my life because um, a friend of mine had just passed away, and I had initially um, planned on recording a full album about that and about how I felt um in in the aftermath of that um but i actually made the first track and it's up on my soundcloud um january thirty first. um it's up on my soundcloud but i actually wasn't really able to go much further than that i had made the kind of core skeleton of the album and then realized that it was just really upsetting me to work on it um and i kind of was a bit surprised at myself because i wasn't feeling that upset about stuff in the day-to-day it was just when I was sitting down to to make the music and to really think about it and I kind of wondered why that was and I suppose at this period of time um, I was going to a lot of festivals I was playing club nights for the first time uh, I was between reviewing and performing I was like at a festival like every single weekend last summer um, and I suppose it, it became this kind of sense of partying became almost like an escape uh, from day-to-day reality uh, and so I think when I kind of thought about that, I realised that we probably don't have the healthiest way of looking uh, at music or about perfor- at performers' lives um, in terms of particularly the electronic scene, which is so heavily focused on, you know, going out and partying all night long and then doing it again the next day. And that's so romanticised as being, like, incredibly fun. And sometimes it is incredibly fun. And sometimes it is a good laugh to go partying and doing all the festivals. But I do think we don't really pay attention to what happens afterwards and I know for me anyway when I'd come back from like a festival um, and go back to my work on the Monday teaching kids I I was almost drained because it was like oh back to reality now so I suppose that was a lot of what the, the process behind the album was it was looking um, at that type of experience and those type of feelings and also the day-to-day interactions in that type of scene that you have because I think a lot of interactions that people involved in music. And I think it's easy for me to have this perspective because I'm so new to to being involved in music. So I'm able to recognise these things a little bit faster than, say, maybe someone who's been in it for years and years and they're just kind of used to it. Um, But I think a lot of the interactions are very hollow and there's so many people networking all the time and you're talking people are talking to groups of people at festivals because they want to you know get them to sign them to their label or to get them in contact with this person I, it just seems very hollow to me and I find it I know why people do it but I, I think it, it leaves people lonely um, because they're not working on actually making real connections or friendships with people so I think that's kind of why I sat down with the album and it kind of goes through the process of for me of one kind of like long night Uh, at a party or at a festival and what you want from it and how the different emotions you go through during that night so like 3600 seconds is kind of like the build-up to the start of the night that kind of like building atmosphere where you're excited you don't know what's going to happen the night's gonna be excited and kind of starting off with that kind of euphoric feeling um but then it kind of segues into stuff like so shy which um is kind of I suppose a plea almost for some sort of authentic connection from a big night out or a big party where you just want someone to have like an actual genuine conversation with you as opposed to tell you that like this tune is banging or ask you if you want another bottle of beer. Um, So, you know, and that's the kind of different feelings that I thought you do experience during the night. Um, I wanted it to be more beatsier because I wanted it to be something that did go hand in hand with that experience and stuff that people could relate to as being part of club music or not club music but as part of like partying music or whatever. So I did want to kind of evoke that but whilst still kind of maintaining the kind of more atmospheric stuff from the from the first demo to kind of combine those together to see that they're not fully disconnected, that there is introverted like emotions associated with still people who are interested in going clubbing and partying and doing that type of lifestyle. So I just want to marry the two sides of it together and maybe cast some light.
1: And obviously you've shown us a little bit of that with the next track on your playlist taken from the new album. Uh, And I told you something true, which does also focus a little bit on kind of the external uh, shadows that kind of dance around us when we're in our little bubble, things like fake news and so on and so forth. Kind of go a little bit into the creative process specifically on that tune.
3: Yeah, so and so I and so I told you something true was actually the first song I made off the album, um, and it was kind of the the end goal, I suppose, of what I wanted the album to finish like. Um, it was the idea of a sort of glimmer of hope to a certain extent that you know wherever that glimmer of hope is that you finally met someone. Uh, at one of these events who, who might be a bit worthwhile your time and might want to spend more time with you. Um, or if that's, you know, create, finding something creative in the whole process and, um, Wanting to make something out of that. I think that's kind of what I wanted to be the end point of just having like a little glimmer of hope. So that was kind of what the thought behind it was. Um, it was also, I suppose, the one track that I kind of wanted to be able to marry a little bit of my emo uh, past to. So kind of messing around with like a guitar riff on it and stuff um, just kind of felt a bit natural to me in terms of. Were those of, your guitars? Uh, they weren't, they weren't. They were sample guitars that I like sewn together and like made different effects on I, I it started off quite emo sounding um but it quickly i suppose got a little bit less emo but it reminded me a small bit of kind of the twinkly emo movement uh, a little mm. bit yeah it was that kind of noodly emo american football style thing um married with you know a bit of a beat so it's kind of me at my my peak me combining emo and electronic music so
1: and going back to the gas collective then we have l with romance
3: Yeah, um, Elle, I think, is just amazing. I I literally could gush over her for for hours. Um, She's not only, I think, one of the best producers in the country at the moment, um, she's actually just such an icon to me in terms of, I suppose she's the first person that I could really see as a role model for myself in electronic music as, like, a gal from Cork who's just making tunes um, but is so fantastic at what she does and also really has a social conscience conscience which I think is incredibly important like she has given so much to young women and young LGBT people um, through Gash Collective and through making those opportunities available for people like a few weeks ago her and Lols, um who's also involved in Gash Collective came down to UCC to give workshops uh, to the LGBT and Feminist Society on the basics of DJing and I think it's that sense of social responsibility that she has, um, that just makes her someone that I'm just like, oh my god, can I be you? Um, because she's fantastic, and she's always just been so much help. I feel like I remember my first gig at Open Ear. I was like messaging her before, like panicking because I didn't know how to like use like an external sound card, <laughs> and I was like, hello, these lights are shining, please help me. <laughs> and she was like trying to direct me over Facebook. So, and that, she's absolutely amazing, and I uh 100% one of the best producers in the country at the moment so and a fantastic DJ too
1: this is gadget in the cloud with and i told you something true and l with romance here on red on red Romance here on Red on Red as chosen by Kelly Doherty whose debut album as we've mentioned earlier has just released uh, this past week and is available on all streaming services, Bandcamp, Soundcloud
3: Yeah, uh, soon up on Spotify as well
1: Decent and uh, it's being released in partnership with uh, Double Enable, Little L Records um, What's the nature of that collaboration? Will there be a physical release at some stage?
3: Um, yeah, we're hoping to look forward to, to getting a physical release out, probably a, a cassette release um, for all you old school heads out there uh, who like to still listen to electronic music on cassettes, um, so hopefully, yeah, that will go well. Um, I'm working with Callum up at Little L. Um, he's an absolute legend. I actually did PR for Little L for like a very short-lived period when I was like 16, uh, until I realised that I had to focus on my leaving cert. Um, but uh, so it's it's nice to be working with them, and they're a wonderful label. So uh, definitely a lot of love for them.
1: And you're. Unending tour of DJing and performing live continues uh, this week upcoming with uh, Cork Fair.
3: Yeah, I'm so excited to play it actually. Uh, Cork Soundfair is based across St. Peter's and uh, Cork City Jail. So it's going to be two days of Irish acts. Uh, and um and abroad as well um but a big focus on on the Friday night anyway is going to be on cork electronic artists so um I'll be playing uh African fiction we'll also be playing static as well um so there's a good few acts definitely recommend checking it out uh, it's going to be absolutely fantastic Um both of the venues are amazing like St. Peter's at Cork City Jail like whenever you're going to get to have a bop in those two so definitely bop down to it
1: You'll also be playing UCC New Bar on April 12th as part of the official launch for the record um, What's your take on kind of bringing the finished product etc performing it live putting a different spin on it live and especially kind of in relatively untested grounds for electronic music
3: yeah um, I'm excited it's going to be interesting actually it's going to be while playing in UCC just because I've been there for so long uh, so it's going to be mad actually performing in in, in my college gates because uh, it's nice to kind of branch out of just playing alongside electronic acts. so it's going to be cool to try and see what people's reactions are um, to the album and breaking into a bit of a different audience which I think is incredibly important as well Um Uh, I'm going to have to spend the next few weeks practising not looking socially awkward on stage. I think that's my my biggest hurdle to jump over is how to (laughs) to make one short woman at a laptop look exciting and interesting. Uh, But who knows, I might get like a Slipknot style face mask or something uh, to try and spice up the live performance, who knows.
1: Develop an aesthetic.
3: An aesthetic, An aesthetic to it.
1: (laughs) Kelly, thanks a million for coming out. Best of luck with uh, the upcoming gigs and so forth and congratulations uh, on the release of your debut album.
3: Cheers, thanks so much and thanks for having me.
1: Not a bother. That's all from this week's episode of Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast from redfm.ie. Thank you very much for listening and if you like what you're hearing, please take the time to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, share this on your social media and make sure to check out the artists featured online or at an upcoming gig. If you'd like more Irish tunes, please be sure to listen into Green on Red on Sunday nights with Alan O'Donovan for the best of all that is Irish On Cork's Red FM 104 to 106 Kelly you're finishing us off With a little bit of uh, Lo-Fi based in Cork uh, With Papa Floral And his tune Wanderlust
3: Yeah uh, Papa Floral is uh, Another cool Lo-Fi hip hop performer It's definitely a scene To keep an eye out on uh, In Ireland And Cork particularly At the moment Um, He's recently released Beat tapes That are absolutely fantastic Really beautiful Melodic uh, Instrumental stuff That I'd recommend checking out So definitely one to watch out for
1: This is Papa Floral With Wanderlust And we'll talk to you next week
0: This is the Red on Red podcast on redfm.ie.
1: So this is Gadget in the Cloud with some... This is Gadget in the Cloud with and... And and so I told you something.
3: And I told you something too. One,
1: two, three. This is Gadget in the Cloud with and I... And I... (laughs) (laughs) Focus. (laughs)